Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome everybody. We have Paul Young with us today and I just I'm excited about it just because Paul the last time you were on uh, you became one of my favorite people and it was just fantastic oh, listening thanks. to your heart and I couldn't wait to get you back on. We actually had made some plans before and then uh, had some family things that took place and uh, wasn't able to work it out on my end but um, just thank you for being on here again Paul. Uh, Berlin, thank you. Honored to be here. And my beautiful wife gets to be on here and join us as well. So um, what are we going to talk about? I'm curious, Paul, if you have anything specific. Otherwise, we got some questions for you. Fire away. Questions are great. Nothing specific on my end. All right. All right. Well, if, if I knew what I was doing, I'd probably have something specific. But. <laughs> don't you hate it when that happens? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. No, actually, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of liking not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it's a different, it's a whole different paradigm. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. Well, so there's um uh, you're working on a sequel to The Shack, is that correct? That is one of the three books I'm working on. Yes. Awesome. Well, what are the three books you're working on? So, there's the sequel for The Shack, which is fiction, and then two non-fiction books. One is The Art of Living in One Day's Grace. I love that. Which is which is very connected to not knowing what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> and, and actually embracing that. And then um, the, the other book is, I don't know, I don't know what the title will be, but it has to do with ontology, which is a big word that just means being, B-E-I-N-G. Hmm. And so it, it explores, it's something I've been doing the last few months, but it all originates about, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago with a with a line that Baxter Kruger, who's a theologian, yeah. said to me. Uh, he was actually said it in something we were teaching at together. And he said this, wholeness, wholeness, you know, um, health and wholeness, mm -hmm. uh, which is the same root as holiness, by the way. And uh, wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. Hmm. Wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. So yeah. the big question is, what's the truth of your being? But even more fundamentally is, what is the truth of God's being? Because yeah. if you get the ontology of God wrong, mm -hmm. so ontology would be the truth of your being. Um, if you get ontology wrong, you're going to get everything wrong. And, uh, and the implications of that are pretty profound. So I've been doing this thing. I just did, uh, I was just in... Eastern Tennessee at Sewanee University, which is an Episcopal university, hmm. and uh, University of the South, you know, and uh, <laughs> and on a Saturday I did six hours on this topic, and wow. and and I've done it now a few different places. It's never the same exactly, but it's been more of an experiment, and it's very interactive. And all of a sudden, you just watch; it's like lightning happens in the room as people slow down enough to get past their doctrine and start yes. talking about some things that yeah. are fundamentally real. Mm. And um, so that's that's the third one that I'm, 
I'm working on. What's What's nice to work on multiple books is that different events and tributaries come into that river at different times and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that conversation was so much about the issue of staying inside the grace of one day or this has to speak directly to ontology or to the sequel or whatever. Hmm. Well, I, you know, I love the fact that you're very deep, you know, you, you go very deep with a lot, a lot of what you teach and share, uh, yet at the same time, it feels like, it, you know, it's a simplistic love. It's very simple. If, if this doesn't work for children and first century slaves, it's probably not true, <laughs> you know? So it, it has to work for children. In fact, I, I think the simplicity um, and the profoundness is, a, is readily available in relationship to children. And, um, and then the coercion of, you know, the writers of the New Testament writing to those people who were under incredible conflict and coercion. So yeah. what is a first century slave? How, how is that person supposed to understand freedom? Or, or, you know, a woman who's been forced into a trafficked relationship yeah. with her owners, yeah. you know, how, mm -hmm. how about peace and joy and goodness and kindness and forgiveness and all of those things? How does mm -hmm. that work out, right? Wow. So if it doesn't work for first century slaves or children, I think it's probably not true. It's good. And, mm -hmm. and, and there has to be a reality to, to simplicity. And uh, yes, there's lots of complexity and depth and all that kind of stuff. But when it starts getting really complicated, I, yeah. I go like, hmm, you know, let's get back to something that is much more mysterious and profound. And that's simplicity. Yeah. Well, good. Can you give us some tidbits on that third book on ontology? I'd love to hear a little bit more. Oh, sure. <laughs> so... So, like I said, I just spoke for six hours on it, so it's not like I can't. And, uh, um, but, but when you begin to talk about the ontology of God, if God is holy, whole, right? And, um, and you begin to realize that, you know, my people, which are modern evangelical fundamentalists, you know, those are my people, so be careful how you talk about them. They're the right. ones that won't, they won't read the shack, but they're experts in it. And yeah. um, <laughs> uh, well, it's true. They don't, you know, they just, they have an issue with what they've heard about it. And right. I'm serious, like 98% of those of my people who have an issue with me haven't read the book. Yeah. And, oh my uh, gosh. Oh, but that's, those are my people. I totally get it. <laughs> We're addicted to certainty, not to the mystery of relationship. Oh. And, um, and if, you know, once you, once you enter the, the murky waters of actual trust, uh, it's, the, uh, religion's much more attractive. Right, you know? <laughs> right, right. Because it's all about certainty. All I have to know is how to perform. I don't have to actually trust yeah. God. Right? It's true. Yeah. But, but you can't trust God if you, if you, here's a quote from George MacDonald. And George MacDonald was a- I love his writings. Oh yes. my gosh, master storyteller, right? Led C.S. Lewis. Uh, Lewis ran into McDonald's book, um, Fantasties, which is an adult fairy yes. tale. And, it, and Lewis said that in that encounter, his, his imagination was baptized and it took him 18 years for the rest of him to catch up. But he never wrote wow. another thing in which, which um, McDonald was not involved. And McDonald had this unbelievable 
ripple effect into the world. Mark yes. Twain attributes MacDonald, hmm. you know, all of these major writers um, of that time look back at MacDonald. Here's a line from MacDonald, it's from uh, a nonfiction book he wrote called uh, Unspoken Sermons, because he wasn't allowed to preach it, but Unspoken Sermons, Creation and Christ. And he says, good souls, many will one day be horrified at what they now believe of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can make little progress in the knowing of God while holding evil things true mm -hmm. of Him. Right? And so, so this is where the conversation about ontology begins. So, you know, all I do is have a big whiteboard or something, and I go like, so tell me the truth about God. Because if God is holy, the way of God's being must match the truth of God's being, or God's yes. not holy. So yeah. a lot of our doctrinal stuff, we'll be talking about, well, it seems like God is this way mm -hmm. here. The dualism. And this, yeah. And, and we end up with two different gods. We definitely yeah. end up with, with a denial of the deity of Jesus, because Jesus is not like the real God. He's just like kind of God. But the real God is the one that's behind Jesus, you know, which we would identify as God the Father. And, and so a lot of us, my people, we grew up with a very distorted view of the ontology of God. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so it's like, all right, <clears throat> so what is God like? And we begin to list it, like a love, of course, but what kind of love? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And good, but what does that mean? And furious at evil, or jealous. God is a jealous God. What does that mean? He's never envious, but he is jealous. Yeah. So, and, and relational. So at the core of God's character and nature is relationality. I mean, we're, and we begin to explore the ontology of God and then say, okay, what are the implications of this? If this is the truth of God's being, what about this passage where it seems like the way of God's being is just completely different than that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, does that mean that God is no longer whole? You know, and um, and and that's not even getting into the conversation about what's the truth of our being. Wow. You know, as human yeah. beings. Now that's all. Now you know. You know where are we going to derive that from? And so all of a sudden, boom, the implications of this become massive for us. Yeah. You know, and that is part of the, the journey, though, is, is just learning to, to walk in that love and trusting him that he's got us covered. And, you know, we don't, and I don't know that we ever will understand the fullness of God and who he is and what he's doing, because there's that oneness. Right. And then yet there's the individuality. Yeah. Well, see, we're even limit, limited severely by our language. Even, yes. even uh, you know, the, the use of him as a, as, as a masculine gender is a limitation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, and this is what I love the Hebrews. They had a, a name for God that was unpronounceable that was a verb. <clears throat> so there's two things that are going on there. One is you can't put God in a box, and it's living and moving and active. And yeah. It's not a noun. God is a noun, but this unpronounceable name of God that is a verb, it's, it's, it's dynamic, it's relational, it's mysterious, it's bigger. And we know that, you know, God is spirit, and, and, and spirit, there's another noun, but it's, it's way bigger than we can find words for. Yeah. Right. And um, so, so what is the character in nature 
of Trinity. And mm -hmm. I almost prefer saying Trinity anymore because then you're dealing with a, a, a spectrum of relationship. Because if, if you've got a God who has ever been alone, that God cannot by nature love. Right. Mm -hmm. Because love yeah. requires another. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so is love <clears throat> part of the ontology of God? Well, absolutely. So there has to be an other. And, you know, what, what we're finding out now is that even in, in the rabbinical world, uh, in the Jewish tradition, that the rabbis are beginning to acknowledge that they've always known there was plurality within the very being of God. Mm -hmm. Always, yeah. you know, and uh, Elohim, which is the Hebrew word that you find in Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, Elohim. Elohim is a plural noun. And it's so interesting. All the, virtually all the nouns for God, not all of them, but almost all of them are, are masculine, but almost all the verbs for God are feminine. And uh, so there's this interplay between, you know, all of this. Well, I mean, can we really... Can we really know God in, in the sense, to me, I've always just looked at all of these things as uh, the models that God has given to us in order to relate to him. It's like he wants us to relate to him as a father. He, you know, these are ways he's, he's uh, giving us so that we can relate in our finite minds to a God who is infinite. It's like... Or, or to use that illustration, God is going to reveal what fathering actually looks like in mm -hmm. terms of relationship to Jesus. So it's not, I'm going, I'm going to relate to you like a father. I'm going to show you what a father is like, yes. right? And then let that redefine what you think fathering is like or parenting yeah. is like, you know, mm -hmm. or mothering is like, mm -hmm. yeah. right? And so, you, so, yeah, I agree with you. It's like icons. Icons don't ever define God. Mm -hmm. Imagery doesn't define God. Right. So God is a rocker, a strong tower, or a shield, or you know, all of the. God is a lion. God is a nursing mother in Isaiah. God is a woman who mm -hmm. loses a coin. These are all windows through which you can then apprehend some element of the character and nature of God. Yeah. You know, this name for God, El Shaddai. This name for God, you know, uh, um, the God who provides Himself. You know, Jehovah Jireh. Yes. Jehovah yeah. is our our best our best crack at. At, at the breathing name of God that is unpronounceable. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a breath in and a breath out, you know. Yes. Well, back to the, the idea of, the, you know, Godhead needing to have the Trinity in order to actually legitimately say that he knows how to love or she knows how to love. It, you know, what we, we were just um, kind of closing up. We're wrapping up here in Sacramento. We're moving to Colorado Springs. And so last night was our last time with our group here. But the whole point that we were wanting to make is that, you know, we are on a journey together and that we have to understand that, you know, we work out the stuff that we're doing in community. You know, right. whatever we right. believe, we need community. We have to have community in order to work out some of the things that we think yeah. are what God's showing us. And but yeah, because we're designed and created inside community and we exist and live and move and have our being inside community. So uh, that's why the movement toward relationship is the right one. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, and it's it's inherently in the very being of God is community. Mm -hmm. And so God wouldn't ask you to submit one to another unless it's already a reality within the very character of God. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's interesting because um, I, I just recently, Father's been downloading some things and I've been having communion every morning. But in my communion, he shifted it for me to where it's more about the oneness. And so as I'm going through the process of having communion, I'm actually you know having communion with each one of the Godhead and I am submitting myself to the Godhead. But when it came to you know, my wife and people just in general that I, you know, my family, I was having to subject, not submit necessarily, but subject myself to humanity because I'm allowing, I'm putting myself in a position, making myself vulnerable to allow her to affect me, knowing that it may not always be the right thing. Now with God, I can believe that everything he's doing is for my best always. But with people, you know, for the most part, yes, we're trying to do our best for one another. But but there are times where we mess up. But I am willing to subject myself to that in that oneness as, you know, I want to give myself to her as she gives herself to me and, you know, vice versa with other people as well. But it's just the oneness where we are willing to lay down our stuff and our what we think has to be right and and subject that to the other person so that they hopefully in turn will respond in love but they might not but am i willing to subject myself to that in order to experience love so i don't know if that makes sense but that's just what he's leading me through here lately and it's been really really profound and and, and powerful so yeah that that actually answered the question that i was going to ask about like what is the through line if you if you walk yourself through the the ontology of an understanding a knowing and then and the truth for the being to the truth to then about me so what does that look like in my real life how you walk that out so you kind of answered that but i suppose for every facet or every bit of understanding that you have in god like you were saying paul you okay so what if you say god is good so what does that look like so then the, the extension of that is, what does that look like in me? So then what does that look like in my life? Well, let me ask you a, a, a simpler way. Are you by nature good? Hmm. After Christ. No. After Are you by nature good? I'm going to say yes, because it's even what we were sharing last night again, that that I believe that each and every one of us are perfect perfect in where we're at that father's not freaking out wondering what's you know going on with my children you know I, they're out of hand I can't handle it. that he's not doing that we are on a journey to learn how to love and the challenges that we go through help us level up yep. in that love so but the question is is goodness the truth of your being it is is it true that it's true that it's true that it's true that nothing can change your ontology. You can't behave yourself into some form of ontology that's new. I'm talking about that which is fundamentally true yeah. about you, whether you know it or not, whether it's covered up by damage or shame or experiences or whatever, lies, right? I would say so, absolutely yes. And right yeah. Okay. Because at the at, at the spirit of the at the core of me is my spirit, which is good. It's pure. Okay, but you're a human being, not just a spirit disassociated from your humanity. You, this your, is good. Your your soul, body, and spirit. So, yeah. so, so, are you saying? Are you a gnostic that the body is actually <laughs> evil? 
You know, I'm serious because because some people yes, that way. absolutely, they, it's they, that dualism right? again, right? Yeah, and and so do we have a semi-low view of of humanity? You know, if God if God wants to become fully human, and God fully joins with us in terms of body and soul mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. spirit, isn't that a st does God become anything that is not good? That's and good. I don't think so. I think that we're good. Okay. Yeah. I, I really, I do. Think so why? Why are you? Why are you good? Because God is good, and we're. I'm created in His image. We Come on. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. So, so you, know, you get a star, Berlin. Yeah, but but think about it. The reason that you ended up there is going like, okay. So why is this the truth? You know, when Jesus yeah. says to the rich young ruler, and he starts the conversation about existential experience, about behavior, what must I do to inherit mm -hmm. eternal life, right? Mm -hmm. and, he, and he starts the conversation with, good rabbi, what must I do to inherit? And Jesus absolutely ignores the question about behavior and yeah. starts with ontology. Why are you calling me good? There's mm -hmm. only yeah. one who yeah. is good, and that is God. Jesus is not saying, I'm not good. Jesus is saying, do you recognize in me the goodness that can only originate in God? Do you identify the fact that I am an expression of a God who is good, that I in terms of my nature? See, my people, we taught that you had a sin nature. Mm -hmm. Right. Which was, right. An, which, was an, which was an ontological statement. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. That is saying that that's the, I have a acronym for it. I call it post I don't know if I can say it on here. I'll use the Greek. Piece of scubula theology. <laughs> right? That's, Paul, Paul uses it in, in, uh, when he says, he has a long list of behaviors or identifications, identities, and he says, I consider it all a piece of, and the Greek word is scubula, which is our English four-letter English word, which I say all the time because I'm quoting scripture. But... <laughs> But we grew up with that, that that's yeah. the truth of your being. And so now, <laughs> if that's the truth of your being, how do you get the way of your being? Because you don't want to match the truth of your being, right? <laughs> so that you're, you're in a conflict. Everything is to yeah. cover up the fact that you're a piece of crap, right? right. And so yeah. life then becomes completely focused on behavior and not, a, not as an expression of ontology. And so yeah. you're always working from a deficit. And we even went so far as to create a doctrine called uh, imputed righteousness. Yes. So, that, yep. so that when Jesus, he covers you up with his righteousness because you're really a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. so, so, and that's the way he's gonna sneak you in, into heaven, right? So that when God <laughs> looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus, right? That's imputed righteousness. That's yeah. true. I yeah. have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, I grew up with that, and so right. it's like, so that means that everything is is trying to cover up the fact that you are a piece of crap, you know. And so now, even when you are performing your righteousness, you know that you're a fake because down at the core of your being is this whisper going like, "You're a piece of crap." 
Yeah. You know, and, and our experience tells us that. And my mm -hmm. experience, it involved a very difficult relationship with my dad and sexual abuse. All of that yeah. whispers, you know what, you're a piece of crap. You so, know, and shame. Shame yeah. becomes the motivator for everything. So I'm, I'm just curious, uh, the Lord's been stirring these verses and I, I haven't, I haven't pursued it, but it's, you know, when he just starts dropping some things in the, the verses that we tend to pass over, like, um, some he created for honor and some for dishonor vessels for honor, dishonor, Jacob, I've loved Esau, I've hated. How, how have you, um, reconciled those? Yeah. Oh, pick a hard one. So, <laughs> sorry. So, no, no, that's totally fine. So, um, facetious. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Because that is a very difficult passage in, in many respects. <clears throat> Partly because if you know anything about the story of, Ab of Abraham and Isaac and, and mm -hmm. Jacob and Esau, you know that God absolutely loves Esau. Mm -hmm. But in the, in the Jewish mindset, if I come to a fork in the road and I pick a fork in the road and I go down that road I have hated that road oh, I have yeah. denied that mm -hmm. road it's like hating have... mother father and, and you know he doesn't well, mean yeah, that yeah he doesn't that's not that's not what that is about right right and so it it's it's not an ontological statement it's a really it's good a state, way it's to look a at statement that. about how that <clears throat> in the course of his why did he pick Israel because mm -hmm. you know you know but the point is that God, God could have worked the purposes through somebody else other than yes. Abraham. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, but he had to pick somebody, right? So. Well, I'm so, glad you explained that because that is a very troublesome conundrum. So. Yeah, and, and 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 I've yeah looked at that before. It's just like um, you know when he says if you if you're not going to if you're going to love me or come after me, you've got to hate your mother and father. And, and we know that's not true. So it's it's the language that we've twisted and not understood the meaning behind what was being said or the understanding the, you know the the culture and how like you were saying that uh, if you pick one path the other one you've hated, but that's not but, right because everything in the in the story is no I've blessed Esau he's a father of nations I've gave and in fact <clears throat> there's a a greater sense that Esau, uh, was was in a place that God particularly cared for. Hmm. You know, uh, as a, Jacob was a liar and a deceitful twister and a heel grabber and all this other, you know, <laughs> and he was so twisted in his mind that when, when Esau is coming to celebrate his arrival, he thinks that Esau is gonna kill him, you know? And so, I mean, he is stuck inside of his lostness in a way that Esau wasn't. And, and so it's like, no, Part of this is that I'm I'm going to find a way to reveal redemptive genius through through the one of the brothers that is the most lost. Yeah, it's like the prodigal son story. Who's yeah. the, who's, the, yeah. who's the most lost? It's I'm the religious kid, right? It's, it's yeah. the oldest one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which well, I back to uh, the the idea of. Um, uh, you know that we're a piece of crap, or that we've been taught that anyway, and all and so forth. It's I love you know we've started teaching. We're just now kind of diving into it, and so we've got our own deconstructing of our thought process to to go through in order to fully engage with what we're teaching. But what we're teaching is that you know we've always taught it's spirit, soul, and body, 
you know, the spirit is good, the soul, eh, we're not sure, but the body, yeah, body that's sucks. way down here. But we're we're starting to teach that all of God what, that He has created is good. So it's spirit, soul, and body. They're on the same level. We just have to figure out how to work them together and not look at one as, you know, not look at the body as, you know, a piece of crap. No, this is meant to last, you know, and, yeah. and to... And, and we end up with, a, with not a new and kind body. We end up with this body uh, fully expressing its character and nature, yeah. right? Yeah. And just like new heavens and new earth, does, the word new in the Greek, there's two kinds of new. There is new in kind, like it mm -hmm. never existed before, mm -hmm. and there's refurbished, <clears throat> and yeah. it always uses refurbished. This is this is this creation that is healed through fire, yes. as a, and the fire is the fire of love. It's yes. not yeah. right. So you know, and this goes back again <laughs> to the character and nature of God as Trinity. Um, the early church came up with a, a word, perichoresis, that is, mm -hmm. it, it is a special. It took them hundreds of years to find out how to talk about the relationship of oneness and plurality. Mm -hmm. um, Ravi Zacharias says the the unity and diversity in the community of the Trinity, right? <laughs> Perichoresis is the mutual interpenetration of one with the other without the loss of personhood. Yes. Right? So the spirit never becomes the son mm -hmm. and the yeah. son never becomes the father, you know, and it's that the reality that their oneness is relational and is moving and flowing and free mm -hmm. and and that it's constantly face to face yeah and Quantum um, mechanics. yeah and mutual uh, what is that entanglement right quantum, yeah, entanglement. quantum entanglement yeah yeah <laughs> that kind of thing so so there is that in terms of the plurality of our own being there is a oneness that i present you know but it's body, soul, and spirit. There is no gradation, or else you end up with sort of a Gnosticism, mm -hmm. where you deny, yeah. you know, the physical reality of Jesus, and you just talk about the spiritual reality of Jesus. And you know, we've been doing that for a long time. Trying, you know, we segmented out one day of the week to be the spiritual part, but that's the most important part, you know. And the rest of the week, we, you know. It's whatever. Have, have fun. You can do whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, because we're going to make this really difficult to actually enjoy, you know. For an hour and a half anyway. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, but it, if you're really spiritual, we've added Wednesday nights. Oh, and Thursday, oh, yeah. we've got something for you. And Friday, we have something for you as well. Right. And, we and, a, with... and a five-minute daily Bible reading if you follow this program. <laughs> right, 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 right. And depending on your denomination, you know, we were non-Pentecostal holiness, so... So we, we didn't speak in tongues. We had a quiet time, which is sort of the opposite, you know. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay, so I want to go back to something that um, we were talking about lost, right? So, oh. so those who are lost, right? Hmm. So is, is lost an ontological statement or is it, a, is it an existential one? Is it an experiential one? Um, well... And so I guess, you know, you bring that up because it's interesting. It's a question that we don't really even deal with much on, on you know, with where we're at. I want to be careful how I'm saying this because it's not true for everybody. But, but we're, you know, we're walking in what we believe to be, you know, restoration of all things, eventually a restoration of all things. So to me, there is no lost. 
Or how, mm -hmm. how, how does the New Testament define lost? It does define it. It's true. Right? The three, the Trinity parables, <clears throat> mm -hmm. right? The Holy Spirit parable, the woman who loses a coin. Yes. That's the Holy yes. Spirit, right? Then the shepherd who is Jesus. But right? they're all found. Well, not just that. In order to be defined as lost, they have to first belong. Who's, yes. It's, you know, yeah, who's, it's whose coin is go. it, right? <laughs> who's, who's shepherd, uh, the shepherd, yes. whose sheep is it? Whose sons are these? Mm -hmm. In order to be lost, you have to be first belonging. That's good. Yeah. 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 So, so that's just... the framework. So what didn't we belong to? Well, we've never <laughs> not belonged. <laughs> That's the I, I agree. I agree. But I guess somebody would wonder where is this going, because so, I. So it, what is where it's going is it's going after the most fundamental lie of, of Western Christianity and that and and of every religion, and that is separation. Yes. Because somehow we're separated. That's the God. dualism. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so that's what that's going after. Lost yeah. for us, my people, was you're outside. You're separated. You know, we even had tracks that said the second law was you've sinned and you're separated from God. Right. right? Yep. Yep. And so we had all of this uh, separation um, built in because religion needs it. Um, religion can't exist without a sense of separation. Now, explain what you mean by religion. I, I, I know what you mean, but there's going to be people listening who don't get that. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Any systematic organized institutional system of thought that is non-relational i like that okay so mm -hmm. so it's it's it, for me for example um god it, for me i don't believe god has ever been religious god's not religious right yeah. but god is fundamentally relational so religion is the imposition of ideology on relationship so that it begins to detract from the essential nature of relationship mm -hmm. right? yeah yeah and um, it's just like saying how do you define the church I define it as the relationship of the Father Son and Holy Spirit right so mm -hmm. if, if now we live in a world full of institutions because that's what we do when we can't trust relationship we create, right. put it in a box and, so we can control it and and <laughs> and we do it for good intentions you know yeah yeah um, or mixed intentions, right? So, yeah, it, it'll do some good things, but it'll pay my bills at the same time. Whatever, you know? <laughs> and um, so uh, we create institutional structures and systems, and we're surrounded by them. Yeah. And, and the goal is not to become an anarchist and destroy institutional structures. Right, right. right. It's about how do we live in, inside of them but not be of them. Yeah. That's good. Right? Yeah, and that's where relationship then then becomes central to all of this. You know, one of the so one of the things that we we've also been sharing and teaching is is honestly believing that when we can fully engage, well, I'll just I'll just I'm going to say it the way we say it because I know there's going to be some people that are watching that, uh, uh, you know, that are that are different a different audience. So um, we teach people to engage with their perfected self. I, I, and I, I love this because uh, we are complete. Colossians 2.10, we are complete in Christ. So we, we teach people to step into the heavens and to engage with their perfected self and to understand that that is not who you become, it's who you are. So, so the way that I normally would say that is 
that the process of transformation is not about you becoming something that you weren't before, but it, but revealing the truth of who you've been the whole time. Yes. Right Hallelujah. now, it, ma it matures. Yes. So there is there is this ongoing expression, just like a child. The mm -hmm. child contains everything that that child will become, but then the tributaries of experience then come in, yeah. and all of that then begins to move them and create a larger landscape for expression, right? Yeah. But you're talking ontology here. You're talking mm -hmm. about this is the truth of who you are. Yes. You are good. You are <clears throat> kind. And and it, this is where addiction will be broken. Yes. Is if, you, if you begin to recognize your ontology. Yeah. So, so if I have an addiction, which I did, horrible, horrible because of my background and everything else. Um, and I couldn't take the risk of a real relationship, so porn became an addiction. It's just a, it's a, it's the imagination of a relationship without the risk of a real one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I say it's like bad theology, you know, the imagination of a relationship without the risk of a real one. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, but what broke that almost 30 years ago for me wasn't the fear of hell, it wasn't mm -hmm. self-discipline, which is actually a work of yes. the false self, right? Yeah. Yeah. Willpower. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Really make you it, miserable. It wasn't an accountability group, although community is essential in our ongoing healing right. process. Yeah. What broke it for me was the revelation from the inside that I am pure of heart. Yes. You're good. That that's the truth of my being. Yeah. And once I could see the truth of my being, the way of my being began to naturally match it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yes. And, uh, and I wasn't in conflict with myself. Hey there. Thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and that's the beauty. I mean, that, to me, that's the gospel. To me, that is the gospel, is sharing with people who they truly are so they can walk in the freedom of knowing that they're good. Yeah, that's yeah. good news right there. Yeah, yeah. So who, who's not in Christ? Everybody's in Christ. Well, okay. everyone is in Christ. All right, yeah. I agree. He is the light I, of that, all that's men. That's the early church. That's, and, yes. and it's like, this is the <clears throat> issue of separation. This is Paul uh, talking on Mars Hill. Yeah. And he says, ontologically, you are all God's children, and all of you live and move and have your being in him. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, all of creation is created in Christ. Not anything that has come into being has come into being apart from him. Yep. Everything that was created, both the visible and the invisible, was created in him. Right. So you won't meet a person who's not in Christ. Therefore, all the passages that we quote about, you know, for those who are in Christ, we're talking about any human being on the planet. So, so let me, for fun, stretch this a little further and say... I, I got to be careful. I'm going to get so much backlash on this, <laughs> but but so 
Uh, what, do you have fear of man? Hold on. I'm just trying to be careful because I, I, there's no reason to stir up a hornet's nest. It's like, well, hey, I can still get stung. So. Love doesn't give you the right to rip somebody through the bars of their right. own prison. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So Especially what, when they call their prison home. Yeah. 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 So I was just going to say, uh, so there's no person who's not in Christ. I was going to say, well, then, it, is there any demon that would not be in Christ? And, okay. I, and I say that respectfully because all things are in Christ. Yeah, all of creation. All, and that's Colossians 1, 16 and 17, yeah. if yeah. somebody needs an address for it. And yes. that is that both the visible and the invisible exactly. is created in him and is now sustained and held together in him, for him, by him, through him. And see, for right. most people, like you said, our people, uh, they freak out about that. That They have no grid for that, but yet it's the truth. Well, and it's because, you know, in part, we have created an identity of separation. Mm -hmm. So we know our existence or our identity in opposition to those people. Whoever right. those people are, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's we we begin with a model of separation, and therefore, you know, we're yeah. stuck. And, yeah. um, and 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 I I get that because you know my people are caught in a bind. If if we take the risk of believing that God is this good, it's kind of like saying, well, then nothing matters. You know, sin doesn't matter. I mean, that's what my people hear. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. And you know, when I hear people say that, my 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 response, and not in, in antagonism or anything, is is just that you haven't experienced the love of God then, or you haven't been able to engage with it. Because it, for me, once I began engaging and experiencing the love of God, it's like that's the good news. That's why I want to share it. That's why yeah. it matters. I want people to experience and understand their freedom. That or they I have. would say, I would say, you have very small view of what brokenness is. You know, what is sin? right yeah sin is a sin what is missing the mark the mark of what perfectional behavior is that what it is no it's the mark of your ontology anything that covers yeah. up the truth of your being right mm -hmm. and so that changes it all from behavioral modification to ontological revelation right it's it's a whole <clears throat> different thing and so it's like oh if you think that sin doesn't matter in terms of what we're saying, then you have a very small view of sin. Yeah. It's way more devastating than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And so all of these choices matter. Part mm -hmm. of the good news is you don't have to live in the lie that, that used to dominate you, that's got you cowering in the corner, that's given you a bigger relationship to hell than you ever had to Jesus. Yeah. You know That your motivation has been what? Not love, it's been fear and yeah. shame. And it's like, you're not designed to live this way. Yeah. Your body can't even handle it. It's falling apart because you're just pumping in all these poisons and through anxiety and worry. And you're scared that if you take the risk that God is good, you're actually going to end up in the hell that you're afraid of. And it's, wow. a, it's a bind. Yeah. I mean, I mean, grant the kindness to see how stuck my people are. Yeah. Right, and and I I refused <clears throat> to be separated from my own people, even if they have such an issue with stuff that I do. Not yeah. all of them, but a, a chunk of them. And um, and it's like, no, you know, you may disown me, but I'm not going to disown you. Right. Yeah. 
Right. Because it's not going to happen. I'm not going to be another reason for more division. We already have 44,000 denominations. Yes. We don't need <laughs> another one. You know, it's like yeah. we're good at dividing, obviously. Let's yeah. try something else. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Well, it's and it's just interesting that the uh, if it's not the fear of hell, it's the fear of deception. And I was talking to somebody, you know, just recently who's still kind of in that that place. And, you know, they were expressing, well, what about, you know, are, aren't you worried about being deceived? You know, because the Bible says in the end, the very elect, even the very elect, you know, can be deceived. And uh, so there's yeah. that issue, too. You're you're absolutely right. And and part of the reason that religion has taken away our capacity to hear the Holy Spirit for ourselves is because of that very issue. Yeah. That's what they raise without yeah. without acknowledging that the system that they created is absolutely founded and grounded on deception to begin with. Yes, exactly. So it's kind of it's like believing in total depravity, coming up with a doctrine of believing in total depravity from a mind that is totally depraved. You know, <laughs> you're kind of stuck. And right. it's like, right. how does right. that make any sense? Right. <laughs> and it's like, wow. no, 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 no. It's, you know, it's like Papa says in the shack, right? I'm not who you think I am. Yeah. You know, good souls, many will one day be horrified at what they now believe of yes. God. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, now we use the term, uh, you know, restoration of all things. Is that a term that you're familiar with or work with? Um, um, I, w I like redemption because that's the term that is used in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And because it's there. Uh, what it means, I don't know. And I'm. I'm going to be like the early church fathers that would say, this is why I'm not a universalist, right? They would say, we will not presume that every human being will be absolutely and completely restored back to face-to-face -to -face full fellowship with Trinity, but we will not presume that they won't. In other words, the issue is presumption because what yeah. you can do is you can begin to trust a doctrine yeah. rather than the character right. and nature of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, ah, eh, no. We know that there is this, this complete redemption where all things are submitted to the Son who then turns them back over to the Father. Mm -hmm. We know that. That's, yeah. I mean, that's just Scripture. Yeah. <clears throat> what that means and how it looks like and how long it takes. Yes. Boy. And, that, and that's a, a level of maturity that, you know, it, we all need to get to as well in that, in that um, admitting that we don't know. You know, yeah, in the end, we don't we know. Don't know. Yeah, but I trust you, my loving Father, who I believe has my best in mind as well as everybody else's best in mind. I believe correct. that. Yeah, each of us is the center of God's attention. Yeah, right. Yeah, because He's and, particularly fond of us. Too. Yeah, <laughs> especially fond of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, and it's like, uh, yeah, we don't know how. We do know that everybody is salted with fire. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do know that. I love that. Yep. We were yep. just looking and, at that just a yeah. couple of days ago, the salted with fire. <laughs> and salt and fire are both restorative in nature. Yes. And curative and purative. And, yeah. And it's like, no, there. Well, let me do this. You'll love this if you haven't, if you're not already really aware of it. And that is that the early church believed that God was a judge. Mm -hmm. And we believe that God is a judge. But we have absolutely two different models. Yes. 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 God yes. as judge. So, so ours is for, it's called forensic theology, right? And it's a legal model. It's, it's a lawyer's model. Yes. Why? 
because Augustine was a lawyer, mm -hmm. Calvin was a lawyer, Luther was a lawyer, right? So we naturally gravitated and were taught a theology of a courtroom. Mm -hmm. And so in a courtroom, mm -hmm. the judge is there to pronounce whether you're guilty or innocent and then yeah. sentence mm -hmm. you to punishment. <clears throat> Supposedly, punishment equivalent, equivalent to the amount of hurt that you've caused, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which eternal conscious torment doesn't, I mean, doesn't even if you just, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, and um, it's like, and that's where sin nature comes in. They have to say, well, you have an ontological sin nature, and the only way to deal with that is to burn it forever in eternal conscious torment. And it's like, how is that even fair? Yeah, you know, right. even within, yeah. within <laughs> even our model. But yeah. that's yeah. our model. We have yeah. a courtroom, and, and then it pits the judge against the uh, defense the attorney who is Jesus. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But Jesus comes in as the defense attorney and and finally says, I'll take it. I'll take the punishment. Take, yeah. Yep. And, yeah. Um, and he, but it's the crazy thing about that model is that he only takes the punishment for who? For those people who were smart enough to say the magic, the sinner's magic prayer. Words, right. yes. Rep, yep, yep, thank, yep. thank God we had a hundred years ago somebody come up with the sinner's prayer so that, you know, most we of can, us... We could get in. We can, yeah. And it's like, because that's the other thing religion needs is magic. Right. And, and <laughs> yes. So, you know, that's how you do it is you yeah, get yeah. the right magic. And, yeah. and a formula. And, oh, yeah. Some, some formula. Uh, some incantation, the right set of words, the right abracadabra. Yeah. And we end up back in Harry Potter world. So... <laughs> So the early church also saw God as a judge, but uh -huh. not as a courtroom judge. Mm -hmm. yeah. their, their model was the great physician. Their model was a hospital. Their model was a doctor. Yeah. And so <clears throat> in, a, in a courtroom, do you want to go face that judge? Uh, no. <laughs> but if you're sick, do you want to go see the doctor? Uh, yes. yes. Why? Yeah. Because you're <laughs> hoping the doctor will judge you. Yes. Will say, yeah. you know what's wrong with you? Is that you've got a tumor, or you know what's wrong with you? You're hurt. You're broken. Your endocrine system is all screwed up. You know, that's a judgment. Yeah. And then, and then, what is the, what is the doctor going to? What's the punishment? Well, it's we're going to have to cut you open, you know, and or um, it's called a prescription, right? We're yes. going to, here's how you can come back to wholeness. Mm -hmm. See. So yeah. you want to see that judge. And this is George MacDonald again. He says, if you trust the goodness of God, you will run to this God with your arms wide yeah. open and you will yeah. say, please come and judge me to the core yes. and burn out of me everything that keeps me from being fully human and fully alive. Yeah. Well, it, it, and you know, on, on that same line, uh, for me, what really opened up the door was understanding that Dan is the word for judge in, in Hebrew. And it's not in the twelve tribes, and, in Revelation. Yeah. Well, but and that that Dan, you know, the the two letters are the Dalit and the Noon. With the Dalit is the door, Noon is to life, and so the Judge is one who is the door to life, and so when we put it in that context and and understand that to really be judged means you're being judged to life. So I mean, the same analogy sort yeah. of is what yeah. you're saying. But yeah. so I'm like. Yeah, judge me all day long. Judge me, judge me. <laughs> and it totally is twisted in the church to where it's yeah. the opposite. Yeah. And and in the old covenant, Dan was judged uh, mm -hmm. based on mm -hmm. based on the choices. <clears throat> right, right. And it's like and it's like um Israel was uh, was divorced. 
in Jeremiah, yeah? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, no, your choices actually matter. It's not that you'll ever be separated from God. You can't separate yourself from the love of God. Mm -hmm. That God will constantly be yeah. pursuing you. And so, but your choices actually matter. Yeah. You can, not right. ontologically, but experientially, you can turn your face away. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's kind of like you're choosing a path. You know, your choices are taking you down a path. And yeah. you can choose, your, your choices can take you down a, a little bit, in fact, quite a bit more pleasant path. Or your choices can take you down a path that's going to be really rough. And you get to make a lot of those choices and determine which path you're going to take. So, I mean, for us, it, it, it really has opened up a lot of things and made it uh, life more pleasant mm -hmm. in that even when we're dealing with people, our own family members, where we're trying to share with them the love of God, trying to help them make better decisions. But for me, anyway, I can look at them and say, okay, you know, but just knowing that eventually they'll be back. Eventually, somehow... They're not going to escape the love of God. He will win them over. He will, you know, the 99, he went out and got the last one, the lost coin, he found them all. You know, so I, I believe that thoroughly now. Although their journey may be a lot rougher because of the choices they're making, and it may be painful. I mean, there's no getting around it. It can be very painful in this life, some of the choices that are made by people. Yeah, Braylon, you were going to say something. Well, you know, you guys, this is this is absolutely fascinating, and I would love to do this, but I just looked at the time. Holy schmoly, we're almost done, and we haven't heard about living in one day's grace yet. Ah. <laughs> so, this is the living in one day's grace is the is the application of all this reality to how how do we then live, mm -hmm. and it's the perfect. That's the simplicity of what a child does. Yeah. Children, they're not concerned with outcomes. They're not looking down the road at their five-year plan. They're not. <laughs> they're they're present to what's actually in front of them. Mm -hmm. And when you deal with fear in your life, um, and children, they trust by nature until they find out that trust is dangerous, right? And and then they begin to attract survival mechanisms that are based on trying to control the fear. Yeah. And um, and so we then take that into our adulthood and fear becomes the basic motivator other than shame. Those are the two big motivators. And, um, and so what do we do? When you deal with fear, you have one of two choices, control or trust, that's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You don't have a third option. It's like, are you gonna control or are you gonna trust? The thing about control is that it's absolutely a myth. Yeah. It is completely and utterly a myth. And so how do we do that? How do we then try to get control? And I coined the term future tripping to, to, to describe uh, the kind of exertions that we do to try to get control over something that is absolutely uncontrollable. And that is we create imaginations and those imaginations are without God, because you, you know, in those imaginations, we're not going like, oh, look, there's God, everything's gonna be fine. Um, it's like, no, you know, this is gonna happen. I know, you know, in my imagination, all my kids have been killed in all kinds of accidents, and, and uh, you know, they've had the loss that we, I've lost every job I've ever had in my imagination. <laughs> I know, I'll even, I'll even go like this. I'm going to say this to that person. They're going to say this to me. I'm going to say this back. We're going to have a fight. They're never going to talk to me again. So why even talk to them now? I mean, <laughs> and it's, and it's, 
it's, it's got nothing to do with staying inside what the real world is, yeah. which is only inside this day's grace. And this is Jesus all over the place, right? Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough issues of its own. Sufficient to the day is the grace thereof. Take every empty imagination captive that raises itself up against the knowing of God. Right? And that is, here's this one in Hebrews. Encourage one another as long as it is called today so that you're not swept away by the deceitfulness of brokenness. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because, because this is about trust. And trust happens in the present tense. It doesn't happen in imagination. And we scramble our imaginations trying to control all the outcomes so that everything that we're afraid of doesn't happen. And it's, it's craziness. And, it, and we've so baptized worry that we call it responsibility because we have to <laughs> baptize all these things in order yeah. to make them like pal uh, palatable. Acceptable, yeah. 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 And it's like, no, our, we're designed to live as children yeah. who are loved, right? So perfect love casts out fear. Yes. The one who fears is not perfected yeah. in love. There is no fear in yeah. love. Mm -hmm. Love that. You know, and, and life is not without its challenges. I mean, we're not trying to say that at all. But um, at the oh, same time, all. How, you know, you know, how much more can we enjoy the journey if we stopped worrying about things and and then for us you know we look at the challenges as the opportunities to kind of level up and to step into a greater level of love um, so so you use the exact perfect phrase how much more we could enjoy because joy the fullness of joy is in the what in the presence is fullness oh. of joy which oh, is yes, presence yes, yes. which is present right yes. yeah so it's it's the it's the present tense relationship it's yeah. the now god yeah and that's so joy becomes an element that will tell you whether you're slipping away and into yes. future tripping imagination or not because yeah. joy is a constant companion so joy is a constant companion because yes. it's not related to circumstance you can be in yes. horrible circumstances and yeah. you have this underlying <clears throat> yeah. awareness of the relentless embrace of affection and so as we're, you know, I guess we probably need to wrap up, but one of the things I'll bring up when we, do you have a few more minutes after, after so we go behind the scenes? Sure. Okay, because, uh, so one of the things I'll just share is, is um, I want to talk about love, joy, and peace, and how those each can be um, kind of a, a, a alarms or alerts to let us know when things are, are out of whack, because we can be, you know, going down through life, having a great time and not paying attention and all of a sudden realize, oh, things aren't so great, but love, joy, and peace, I think are actually things that we can engage with to understand, oh, wait a minute, something's happening. I need to you know, you know, pay attention to that and you know, maybe resolve something. But we'll, we'll talk more about it on the behind the scenes section. Um, Berlin, you wanna close us out? Sure, well, first of all, thank you, Paul. Thank you for being on with us. You're welcome, so honored taking your time and yeah thank you love and thank having you, for, you on here <laughs> thank you for Gil and Adina to you know keep Kingdom Talks moving forward we appreciate that and thank you to all of our listeners we 
so love and appreciate you. We love your support. We love it when you share this with your friends, when you subscribe to the YouTube channel or like our page or, or anything like that. And then, of course, absolutely to the members. We love you. We bless you because we can't do this without you. And if yeah. you haven't become a member yet, go to KingdomTalksMedia.com and click on the membership button. And then you get the behind-the-scenes stuff that we're going to talk about right now. So... Thank you all again for watching Kingdom Talks. All right, bless you all. We're going to go to the behind the scenes. All right, we are on the members only section. Right. So, members, we love you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely we love our members who are supporting the the mission of Kingdom Talks, and so um, we should start naming names. We should just say, you know all of the names of all of the people that are members because I just they're yeah, so they're, they're, just, they're uh, key. You know, faithful and loyal did friends. you say there's 15 of them is that what you said no. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I heard Gil say yeah there's 15 of them <laughs> uh, they're, they're, it's growing That's I have to say it's growing that's good um, yeah I think we have about 80 people right now it's not, not a whole Sweet. lot but um, they're that's growing that's great yeah. Well, one was enough for yes. Jesus anyway. <laughs> so this, this love, joy, and peace, I, I, I love it because when I'm operating in, in love, joy, and peace, and I'm you know kind of paying attention, so I'm not just totally you know letting everything go to the wind, but recognizing that if my peace gets disturbed somewhere, that that's the time to go look and to, you know, to really say, okay, Father, what's happening? You know, what's going on? Why is my peace disturbed? Because if I don't pay attention to it then, and it's something legit that's happening, then that peace then <clears throat> then begins to eat away at the joy. And if I don't deal with it at that point, it will then continue to move forward and, or move in until it begins to affect my love. And so uh, that's just one thing that, uh, actually, I don't know if you know of Ian Clayton, but he, he put that out there in, in a way that... Uh, I, I think I've I probably say it a little bit differently, but that's that's been really effective for me. That every once in a while, you know, I'll just kind of take take account of where I'm at and what's going on, and just kind of search to see is there something disturbing my peace? Is there something not quite right? You know, so it might even be in in a relationship that it's like you know the peace is a little shaky. Need to you know talk about that and and see if there's something there. But if I let it go, then it begins to eat away at my joy because now you know I didn't deal with it when it was at that peace level. And if I don't deal with it at the joy level, it'll start hammering away at where you know now I'm wanting to punch something, you know, because <laughs> because I didn't deal with it at the other place. I don't know if that makes sense, but it 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 works for me, and I, I enjoy just kind of contemplating those things in my quiet time. So I wonder if that has to do with how we're wired, though, you know, because. <clears throat> someone who has their peace, uh, joy, and love in that order, that would make sense. But perhaps mm -hmm. there's other other people are wired different ways, you know, depending on what the true desire is, that frequency that, of the emotion that you truly desire in your life, you know, depending yeah. on what that is. Yeah, maybe it has yeah. to do with what door you're going through at the moment, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. So yeah. if... If, you're, if your capacity to be other-centered and self-giving begins to crumble away, I'm sure your peace and your joy is, is affected as well. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it depends on, and it depends on how you define these terms too. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And so is peace means that 
there's no conflict. Is that what peace means? You know, the shalom word is is much more about wholeness than it yes. is about right, right. definitely about you know <clears throat> lack of conflict. Because mm -hmm. if if you want, you know, what is uh, there's a great line that Mackenzie has in the movie uh, with Sophia in the cave, and and uh, Sophia goes, "Are you looking for?" Um, a, a life without pain, you know, um, a painless existence. And he goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so love, joy, and peace have got to be much more profound than circumstance and situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, I, um, and I guess when I'm looking at that, you know, because again, I don't believe that life goes without its challenges. But for me, even in that area, it's like if the peace starts to get shaken, then then I can look at that and at least be aware that, that something's going on. And, and it may be a problem that is coming, you know. It's just, yeah. like I just got it news today of a friend be. who... Could, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Well, I just got yeah. news today of a, of a friend of ours that passed. And, um, you know, so that shakes that. And again, it's, it's, you know, some definition, you know, semantics and so forth. But that gets shaken. A little bit, and and so you know it, gets, it will get gets, shaken. What gets shaken? That that peace. Yeah, and see, for me, that would probably be my joy would be shaken. I may have peace about it, and like there's nothing I can do. I just have to make peace with it. But my joy would definitely be yeah, shaken. Yeah, and that so and that I, may be true. Again, there's there's semantics. There's that wholeness, the shalom <laughs> of wholeness. It's like you know something yeah. got got kind of taken, or something. You know, there's going to be a grieving process there. Well, yeah, um, and there needs to be. Yeah, yeah. And the it, presence it, again, of so grief not, is not the absence of peace. Right, right. Or the yes. absence of joy. Yeah. So but, I guess I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but I I know it works for me, and I don't know that it, you know. Again, it's not something I'm expecting to to you know circumvent over everybody else, and that they've got to do it as well. But it just is an interesting thing that has worked worked for me. That uh, well, as long as it works for you, Gail, we're all good. <laughs> Come yeah. back to Then you can be at peace. <laughs> it's working for me, so Thanks you can be at peace. I appreciate it. So good. I, My I, evening's going to be fine. I would love to hear more about using um, the the platform of of fiction to reach people because I know that. Um, I started reading George McDonald, you know, when I was in a very denominational structure sure. and it planted <laughs> seeds in my heart, you know, and it was it was interesting because during my childhood, my parents actually did away with anything that was fiction in our lives because they yeah. they believed that we only did what was true. We only listened or saw or heard what was true. And so they eliminated all fiction. What and, did they do with the parables? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. they're scratched out. There's a little or, bit, or, or pretty much the whole Old Testament. <laughs> but but I, I found fiction to be such a powerful tool to convey truth in a way that people can more easily swallow. Yeah, yeah because it it enters through the heart and not just through the mind, right? So so fiction, if it's if it's not propaganda, yes, <laughs> because. Because as soon as you put an agenda inside fiction, then you've created propaganda, hmm. and mm -hmm. and and any well, it's dis it's it's disrespectful <clears throat> to the reader or the listener. Um, fiction, if done well, creates more space than it uses. Hmm. It actually expands the amount of space. Nonfiction tends to reduce space, and um, because it it's it's limiting itself to the yeah. mind and the capacities of the mind, and it's. You know the mind has to be incorporated 
um, into the process of transformation. But a lot of what occurs happens through the heart or even through the body in terms of, of sound and music and all of those kinds of things. So, so fiction, uh, this would be a C.S. Lewis thing. Fiction has the power to sneak past your watchful dragons, <laughs> That's good. right? And um, I was I was a speaker at the <clears throat> at the National Conference of Religion. Um, There's a big, huge organization made up of mostly PhDs, mm -hmm. you know, and multiple PhDs, and they're the National Association of Religion or something like that. In, mm -hmm. It's an international community, and there were like 2,000 smart people there, and. Um, <laughs> And but one of them, because they, I was a keynote speaker, and and one of their members berated their own community, which you know you're allowed to do when you're a member of it, um, for their their dismissal of fiction. Wow. Because fiction and his argument, and I think was was right, is that fiction has the power to respect the reader and the listener the way nonfiction cannot. And it, and it allows you to hear for yourself. Yeah. I mean, people read The Shack and they get things out of that book that I never even wrote. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's because it created space for them to hear. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's, a, it's a much more, I, I'm not opposed to nonfiction at all, uh, especially if you can intertwine it with story, because I think story is where right. every human being has an affinity. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's partly, Fiction, a lot of people who write nonfiction are scared of fiction hmm. in terms of being able to write it because it, it doesn't have set rules and it doesn't stay inside of certain compartments and, uh, and ways of looking at boxing the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas nonfiction has a lot, nonfiction's a lot easier in many respects. It follows certain rules and you do certain things and trying to communicate your point and, and all of that. But, Fiction well, I just had a thought. Rest. Yeah. Nonfiction might be easier because it's my opinion. <laughs> well, it's and it's also it's centered in the mind. Nonfiction, right? It's, it's also centered here, where yes. the West is so addicted, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is the place where men go to hide, and I'm meaning men yeah. as in males. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's like we've cut ourselves off at the neck. Well, mm -hmm. Lewis would call it um, men with no chests. Right, all mm. these men walking around, they're big heads, but they have no chests. Yeah, you know, mm. there's no heart here, yeah. and uh, and and we are so ashamed of ourselves in in the hidden places that we've ran we've run away to the mind where we have a sense of control. Yes, mm. and uh, and then we turn around and, and weaponize it, right? Well, so. <clears throat> and I, you know, it's one of the things that we battle. I. Th I think in this movement that we're in with you know the mystic movement because so many people want to take their experience and turn it into a doctrine or they want to take their experience and impose it over other people to me the beauty of the mystic movement is that we all are getting to experience our father uh, in the ways that I believe he wants us to experience him in and that we yeah. get to engage and have these incredible journeys which for me, most of the time are helping me understand another aspect about him. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, you know, you could call it fiction if you wanted to, but it's yeah. an incredible thing. It's an incredible experience. I was just recently um, one of 35 speakers on the International Conference of 
let's see, the, the Global Conference of Spiritual Awareness or Awakening or something like that. Huh. And it was psychics and mediums and all, all sorts of folks that we would designate esoteric or new age or whatever. Yeah. And um, which is a, a beautiful community. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. And, um, and it, <clears throat> one of their members in the, in spoke and said, and, and said, one of the things that's really bothering me is that I come from a Orthodox Christian background and a lot of the esoteric language is becoming almost identical. It's almost the same. It's becoming like, oh, I've had this experience. Now, you know, we, we're creating an orthodoxy around it. Yes, yes. R rather than what you're saying, and that is that you think that God is limited uh, in terms of expression and communication yeah. and that God's, yeah. you know, the, that you have to hear God the way somebody else does. Yeah. Well, and that's part of it too. You know, there we get so many people that come to us, and they're, you know, they're 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 crying out because they can't see in the spirit or they can't hear in the spirit. You know, and they basically, you know, they go down the five senses of the human body, and they're not able to engage in the spirit with these. And I'm like, why would you want to be limited to that? Yeah. Father may have a way that he wants to communicate and engage with you that go way beyond the five senses. So well, don't get not only that, on them. but is does God know my language? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah and God knows my language God speaks Paul to me yeah you know and and it's just like I don't know who it was Teresa of Avila or was Joan of Arc one of them before she was executed and martyred they said well you just hear God in your imagination and her response was well where else do you think I'm gonna hear him <laughs> yeah. right yeah. it's like yeah. This is a God who lives in me. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be inside of my capacities that God speaks to me. Yeah. Right? So yeah. in that nudge, in that crazy thought that I suddenly have, in that imagination in the moment, in that, like, you know, something that catches, catches my sense of humor the way nobody else right, got right. it, you know? There is all kinds, because God's not a bad communicator. Mm -hmm. You know, and, it's, and, and a lot of times we... God speaks to us in such language that is normative to us, but because yes. of shame yes. and because of hierarchical value and orthodoxy, we mm -hmm. think that we have to hear God speaks like God speaks to somebody else. Yeah. And, and so we, we won't trust mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. capacity to hear the voice of the spirit for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, <clears throat> and it's also our, our belief system, because I know that once I fully stepped into a non-dualistic and no separation, I could hear so much more clearly um, because I, I'm one. Yeah. Well, so, you didn't, you didn't keep discounting it. Yes. Yeah. Cause that's what we do, right? It's like, yeah. Well, that was oh, one of the that biggest, can't, that can't be God. Right. <laughs> Well, that was one of the biggest shifts for me that that I had to go through in order to even experience all that we're experiencing now, and that was to give up my skepticism. Not not check my brain, but just stop being so skeptical about everything. So, you know, I believe now that I just take something that in the, in the past I would have said, that's a bunch of baloney, you know, and I would have thrown it out. Right. Now I just put it in my warehouse, you know, my, my godly warehouse, and... And if Father wants to bring it out and show me how it works later, great. But I yeah, don't have to throw I'm, it away. I'm very much the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's a mystic. That just means, you know, you yeah. have some experience. Yeah. And it's just that we've codified it in certain ways that, you know, 
And um, but this emergence that the, whatever the Holy Spirit happens to be doing on the planet right now, which is like a reformation. Yeah. It's like it's like it's not trying to put new power into old things. It's actually trying to mm -hmm. restore or reconstruct something at the very at the very formative nature of the yeah. Of how we think. Yeah. yeah, it's a shift and a transformation that I believe is is that Father's doing. I, I believe that it's something Father's doing that um, we're not going to be able to mess it up or stop it. Mm -hmm. Oh, we haven't ever messed it up or stopped it before. Why would yeah. we be able to now? <laughs> oh, yeah. wait, no, we affect the weather. You hadn't heard? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because it's ordained, right? All bad things are ordained by God. Right. So, yeah, because they're a punishment. Yeah. I know, I know. Oh, we have yeah. such bad theology. It's... <laughs> It's stunning, and and I, but that's part of part of this exploration, and part of it, like you said earlier, is to admit that oh, we don't know everything. Right. Of course, yeah. we don't know everything, and it's okay yeah. to question everything. Yeah, that's a good right. thing, you know. And uh, freedom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I have uh, one more thing on my list of we never talked about the sequel yet, so. Where, what's coming along with that? All, all that I will tell you <laughs> is that I never thought I would ever write a sequel for The Shack. And it wasn't until the last three plus years that I've built a relationship with a bunch of friends who are on death row in Tennessee, in mm -hmm. Unit 2 of Riverbend um, Penitentiary. And those guys opened up a, a way to write a sequel. Wow. wow. So... So they're actually helping me, and uh, wow. which is pretty cool. Yeah. When can we get our hands on it? <laughs> don't know yet. I don't know. We'll see. I'm hoping to have, you know, full complete drafts of all three in 2020 at some point. Good. Awesome. 2020 is my year of hindsight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Because hindsight is always 2020. Yeah. Right. Well, Paul, uh, again, you're, you're one of my favorite people, and, and and now, do you know know Larry McKnight? I know who Larry McKnight is. Yes. Okay, because he's he's talked about you a few times. We're we're moving to Colorado he's, Springs. He's and being, a sweet brother. Yeah. We're going to be connected with him uh, quite a bit. So good, good. Uh, I'm going to be well. I'll be in Denver with Michael Cusick and he Soul was saying that. Yeah. 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 So that'll be. Fun. I'd love to meet you in person. It's always fun <laughs> meeting people that we've had the 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 show with. I'm, and, I'm shorter than you think. <laughs> that's, that's, so you know. And my wife always gets, well, you're taller than I think. Ah, funny. I look real tall on a stage when I'm by myself. <laughs> it is funny when you meet people in person and they're uh, different than you expected them to yes. be from just yeah. big on Zoom, you know? Right. Well, I know. Well, I know. Yeah. It's, just, it's very funny. Yeah, yeah, he is a short, little, overweight, balding white guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. No, I yeah. appreciate. I appreciate the time and being here and the invitation to participate. Thank you. Well, I look forward to doing it again sometime in 2020. And um, we just love you and love Thank the you. message that you carry. It is so needed, and it's so freeing. I just really encourage people to you know listen to these things. Go wherever Paul's at. Listen to what he has to share because uh, just between the the two shows that we've done with you, Paul, it's been phenomenal. It's been fantastic, and always opening up our our, our hearts and minds to uh, the greater love of God. So thank you. Just thank well, you. Well, you know, the the nice thing about all of this is that God doesn't need to be served with human hands as if He needed anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's that's yeah. Acts seventeen, and yeah. it's just like. Oh, no, no. I get, I get to be the child. And 
let life unfold in my direction. Yeah. And, and then I don't have to be freaking out about what my participation is. I had a guy ask me recently, he said, I want your comment about an Irish proverb. He said, uh, goes basically like this, that when you die, the only thing that will have mattered is whether you had any impact or not. What do you think about that? And I said, it's one of those moments where you say something that your mind hasn't actually thought of. Right, right. right. And out of your mouth comes something absolutely right and profound. Yeah. And uh, that's participation. So, and, and out of my mouth comes, I've never heard a child ask that question. Yes. Right? And that was the right answer. <laughs> yep. It's like, yeah. no. Yeah. It's children believe that influence <laughs> and impact is by presence. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is so Not good. by performance. <laughs> and so, I would just pray that everybody listening right now just really contemplates that. that that statement. That is so good. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Well, blessings on you. And, yeah. And thank uh, you. Thank you, thank you, you Berlin. And you, Merry Dina. Christmas to you. Merry I'm Christmas have, to I'm going to have you. all 12 grandbabies here with wow. their parents. And, oh. Yeah. And our youngest grandbabies. Our twins, they turned two yesterday. Oh, wow. wow. That'll be a fun Congratulations <laughs> on all It'll that. It'll be fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much. And all right. I look forward to seeing you and talking to you in the near future. All right. Sounds Thank good. you, Paul. All right. God bless, bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at kingdomtalksmedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.